dragons. Scales like shields, wings like a hurricane, and a breath of pure death. Dragons are easily among the most iconic creatures in all of fantasy, let alone in the role-playing game containing their name. It's no stretch to say that more material has been written about dragons in D&D than practically any other monster, and it's perfectly conceivable that an entire sub-series could be made of various videos about different D&D dragons. In the interest of consolidating things into a single video, I'll be taking brief looks at many different varieties of dragons, and even then I'll be leaving out plenty. Dragons, of course, first appeared in the original D&D publication in 1974, with six different varieties right out the gate. White, black, green, blue, red, and golden. The Greyhawk supplement added brass, copper, bronze, and silver dragons, as well as info on the king of the lawful and neutral dragons, the platinum Bahamut, and the queen of the chaotic dragons, the chromatic Tiamat. All of these dragon types would be re-included in monster manuals and supplements for years to come, but other types would be added as well. The Fiend Folio in 1981 would add the Oriental Dragons, the Earth Dragon, the Sea Dragon, the Coiled Dragon, the Spirit Dragon, the Celestial Dragon, and the Carp Dragon. The Monster Manual 2 for AD&D 1st Edition added the Cloud, Fairy, Mist, and Shadow Dragons. The Rules Cyclopedia in 1991 would also add the Gemstone Dragons, Crystal, Onyx, Jade, Sapphire, Ruby, and Amber. Plenty of other types would crop up in different books, ranging from Sun and Moon Dragons to Mercury and Adamantine Dragons. Chances are, if it's some type of substance, there's a dragon out there based around it. I'll mainly be using 5th edition material for this video, as it allows me to narrow things down while still being relevant to most players. The similarities between dragons aren't shared by every type, but most of them have some common qualities. These qualities are what you'd expect from a dragon. Reptilian creatures covered in scales, possessing wings, typically large, highly intelligent, and can speak. Generally, they possess the ability to breathe an element or force associated with their type, and dragons most commonly believe themselves to be superior to most other forms of life. Dragons generally grow larger and more powerful with age, living for hundreds of years. The most ancient of dragons are often quite experienced with casting magical spells, expanding their already formidable repertoire. The differences between different types of dragons are really the most interesting thing, so let's get to that. The most common families of dragons are the chromatic dragons, each identified by color and associated with a different element, and metallic dragons, identified and associated with a different metal. Starting with chromatic dragons, as mentioned, we have red, associated with fire, blue, associated with lightning, green associated with poison, black associated with acid, and white associated with ice. All of the chromatic dragons are typically evil, having little interest in helping lesser beings, and the greatest of the chromatic dragons is the evil five-headed queen, Tiamat. 
Red dragons are the most stereotypical of dragons, as they perpetually seek to expand their hordes of treasure. They are exceptionally vain, and they can breathe great blasts of searing hot flames. Red dragons prefer higher terrain to make their lairs, generally mountainous regions, and they are fiercely territorial, so everything in the area is going to know where a red dragon makes its home. These dragons especially love lairs with volcanic or extensive geothermal activity, as it both comforts the dragon and wards off intruders. When outside of the lair, the red dragon will perch itself on top of a mountain to survey the world as if from a grand throne. Red dragons believe themselves to be hand-chosen by Tiamat herself to rule the world in her name, therefore believing that every living creature is theirs to command, and they constantly compete with other red dragons for wealth and control. A red dragon will typically utilize a number of weaker-willed humanoids to do their bidding, such as spying or sending messages, and will slaughter entire villages if refused. A red dragon's temper is legendary, and those that serve one of these creatures generally live in constant fear of being roasted alive. As mentioned, red dragons are highly concerned with the state of their hordes of treasure, always seeking to expand it. They possess such intelligence and focus that they know the exact value and location of every single item in their hoard and would notice if even one coin was out of place, erupting into a rage until the thief was found. Basically, think of Smaug from The Hobbit, and you have a pretty good idea about red dragons. Lording over the deserts, dry steppes, and rocky badlands are the lightning-infused blue dragons. Similar to red dragons, blue dragons are vain, territorial, and narcissistic. They will build their lairs underneath the ground, using their lightning breath to blast through rocks and carve out a home for themselves. Here, they will occasionally fly out to prey on caravans traveling through their lands, or head out to nearby areas to raid small settlements or herds of animals. When hunting, they will bury themselves in sand and ambush unsuspecting prey, but in combat, they will prefer to use range to their advantage, launching volleys of lightning over great distances, and extending fights out for days if necessary. Blue dragons will often manipulate individuals into their service, purely for the purpose of reinforcing their own sense of superiority. They tend to be more mocking and manipulative than the cruelty shown by red dragons, and reward servants handsomely. Blue dragons do have hordes of treasure, but they are particularly fond of gems, especially sapphires as blue is, of course, the most noble and beautiful of colors. Few ever see a blue dragon's lair, though, even their loyal servants, and they are quick to collapse the entire lair if it's ever invaded. In the great forests of the world live the green dragons, the most treacherous and cunning of the dragon types. Green dragons don't hoard coins or jewelry, but instead they value individuals that they have corrupted. A well-known hero of the land that has fallen from grace and turned to serve a green dragon is a most valued possession. Lies and double-crossing are green dragon's bread and butter, and as likely as they are to simply eat an adventurer wandering through their forest, they are just as likely to accept a bribe for their safe passage before eating them. They are constantly on the lookout for individuals that can prove their value, however, 
and will appeal to their deepest desires in order to manipulate them into service. They typically make their lairs in the heart of the forest, in a cave carved out of a cliff or a hillside. The area around their lair will twist into a maze of trees and vegetation, and a thick fog will hang in the air. While they prefer to manipulate intelligent creatures, they are quite capable of taking down both man and beast, in part using their breath of poisonous gas. Green dragons are never to be trusted, especially if you're an elf, their favored prey. The most evil and cruel of the dragons, black dragons make their homes in dense swamps or occasionally in the ruins of fallen kingdoms. A black dragon thrives on fear, pain, and brutality. It revels in watching its prey beg for mercy before devouring it, and are capable of washing their foes in caustic acid with their breath. Unlike most types of dragons who will only attack other dragons if threatened, black dragons will go out of their way to slay weaker dragons. If threatened by a stronger dragon, however, they will quickly flee their lair and seek a new home. Kobolds and lizard folk are often found near black dragons, venerating the great creatures and bringing them any sacrifices they can capture. Black dragons also hoard treasure, but they are specifically interested in treasure from fallen kingdoms, which they take as a sign of their superiority if they have outlived civilizations. Their lairs are typically partially flooded caves or grottos, filled with acid-covered bones and carcasses. Finally, we have white dragons, the smallest and most feral of chromatic dragons. They favor the cold and make their homes in arctic tundras or icy mountains. They possess good memories, but otherwise are driven by hunger and greed, with no great aspirations. It hunts primarily using its icy breath to freeze its victims, often encasing them in ice or snow to eat later. It will occasionally keep their greatest foes as trophies, looking over their frozen corpses from time to time to gloat. A white dragon is very likely to attack anything and anyone near its lair, and the only individuals that serve it are intelligent humanoids that can assuage their wrath, or kobolds that worship the dragon and don't mind losing a few members from time to time. It's not unheard of, though, of particularly powerful creatures defeating a white dragon and forcing it to serve them, such as frost giants. White dragons hoard any treasure that reminds them of ice, like diamonds, and their treasure is often encased in thick layers of ice, which take most would-be thieves hours to pry out. This is exacerbated by the icy effect of the white dragon's presence, making the entire layer far colder than the air outside. On the other end of the spectrum are the metallic dragons, noble and generally good-hearted creatures that share many similarities with their chromatic cousins, but are far more likely to have a positive interaction with a passing adventurer. They collect treasures and have hordes, but they seek unclaimed relics out in the world that are either interesting or are dangerous, so that they can protect other creatures from harm. These relics can be taken from these hordes if the metallic dragon is convinced it's for the greater good. Another interesting trait is that metallic dragons possess the ability to shapeshift into humanoid or bestial forms, allowing them to enter into civilized society with no issues. 
Some metallic dragons don't utilize this ability, preferring to stay isolated. But many love to wander through cities, immersing themselves in culture and cuisine. The king of metallic dragons, Bahamut, will often wander the world in human disguise, with seven golden canaries, each a disguised gold dragon. Brass dragons prefer hot, dry climates, putting them often at odds with blue dragons, who prefer similar regions. Brass dragons are by far the most talkative of dragons, engaging in conversations with every intelligent creature it comes across, and if it encounters a creature who tries to leave without having a conversation, the brass dragon will follow it until it does. It will even go so far as to put the creature to sleep using its breath, where it will wake to find itself pinned underneath the dragon so the two can finally talk. Brass dragons like to talk to gain new information, and will sometimes trade that information later in exchange for treasure to add to its hoard. They generally seek magic items that contain or allow access to new entities that they can converse with, such as a magic lamp with a genie trapped inside. Brass dragons aren't the strongest of the dragon family, and will often make alliances with nearby tribes or settlements for mutual support. Not so talkative are the bronze dragons, coastal dwellers that also occasionally come into hostilities with blue dragons. Bronze dragons take a deep interest in warfare of all types, often joining armies heading off to fight for a just cause. A bronze dragon makes for a powerful ally on the side of right, capable of breathing great blasts of lightning or magical force. In exchange for helping out, the dragon may ask for a small payment of treasure, but if the group cannot pay, it will also accept old military books, or even just a ceremonial item commemorating the alliance. When not fighting, bronze dragons typically like to watch ships sailing up and down the coast near their lairs, sometimes taking the form of dolphins or seagulls to inspect up close. Copper dragons are quite a bit different, basically the good version of green dragons. Copper dragons love to prank, joke, or ask riddles, and appreciates the same qualities in any it comes across. Typically harmless, a copper dragon will attempt to impress with a joke, humorous story, or clever prank. Those that don't appreciate the dragon's antics will likely annoy the creature, and although it's probably not going to lead to harm, it's generally better to just play along. Copper dragons particularly like bards, and will sometimes carve out a section of their lairs in dry uplands and hilltops just to house a bard who can regale them with music and stories. A copper dragon's treasure hoard consists largely of metals and precious stones, and they are notable for being especially protective of their treasure. If another creature comes to the dragon seeking a specific item, the copper dragon is likely to say that it doesn't possess it, sending the seeker on a wild goose chase instead. Silver dragons, however, are by far the friendliest of dragons, going out of their way to converse with and befriend humanoids of all species. Silver dragons believe in living a moral life, and therefore spend time doing good deeds and avoiding harming others. They don't specifically seek out combat in these endeavors, but will step in if necessary, using both cold and paralyzing breaths to take down foes. 
Also uniquely, silver dragons tend to unite together into clans, akin to a family, although it's a somewhat loose organization, and many silver dragons will leave for long periods of time to live among non-dragons in humanoid form. It's not unheard of for silver dragons to spend years in humanoid form, developing friendships and relationships, and even potentially revealing their true self to those it especially trusts. They will occasionally leave these humanoids for many years, losing track of time, and come back to find that their friends have passed on. Silver dragons often come into conflict with red dragons, as they both make lairs in high mountain ranges and have very differing philosophies. Their lairs are generally filled with historical relics and coins, as well as art, jewelry, and even thrones. Finally, we have gold dragons, the most powerful of the metallic dragons. They are the most dedicated to seeking out and destroying evil, often rooting it out in humanoid form before revealing their true selves. They are essentially the paladins of the dragon world, and even prefer to hand over villains to law enforcement rather than vanquishing them themselves. They will not engage in combat if unnecessary, and don't even consume living creatures as part of their diet. But in combat, they rival red dragons in power, capable of breathing both fire and a weakening gas. Unlike most dragons, gold dragons organize themselves into a strict social structure, with one dragon as their leader. The leader doesn't command the gold dragons necessarily, as gold dragons do alright on their own, but they are considered the wisest of the gold dragons, dispensing advice to any who ask. Gold dragons don't favor any one type of region to make their lair, but they do tend to prefer out-of-the-way locations, valuing their privacy as most dragons do. As I've mentioned multiple times now, there are loads more varieties of dragons, but these are the most common and popular types, the ones included in the 5th edition monster manual. It's not shocking that the dragons of Dungeons and Dragons are so fleshed out and important parts of the lore. While it's easy to simply throw a young red dragon at players as something exciting to fight, the ecology and philosophies of dragons make them interesting aspects of any setting that includes them. Although dragons possess the scales and the wings and the breath, they are ultimately much more than that.